Matthew, Luke, Robert. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let me encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 13 again. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. This is my favorite time of year. I know you ladies have watched many, many Hallmark movies by now. You saw the Rudolphs, the, the Frosties, the Santas, all those shows that people watch every year. There was one years ago before my time, interesting film, 1959, North by Northwest. Anybody watch North by Northwest? Had a famous actor by the name of Cary Grant in it. It's kind of a thriller. Part of it was set in one of the places I haven't been in the United States that I want to go to, Mount Rushmore. And in it, the lady who was with him, kind of a spy, is shooting a gun and shooting at him, but it has blanks in it. And the reason why she shot it was trying to scare the bad guys. But if you look at the scene, in the scene then, there's a 10-year-old boy that's holding his ears, anticipating the, the, anticipating the shot. See, he knew it was coming before it actually was shot. What we are doing right now as a church is anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking for him to come. He could come at any moment. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. We're not looking at his imminent return. We're looking at his second coming, which happened seven years after the tribulation of the church, which we've spoken about. But in Mark chapter 13, verse 24, let's begin our reading. Mark chapter 13 and verse 24. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Then shall, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth her leaves. You know what, what summer is near. So in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is not even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass away till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not, when the time is, for the Son of Man is like a man taking a far journey, who left his house, and he gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at evening, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what shall I say unto you? I say unto all, watch. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to come to your house. Thank you for each one who has the opportunity to be here, Lord, and those who are here and those who may be watching at home. Lord, I pray that you would just bless this service. Thank you for the reading of your word. Now, Lord, as we focus on the hearing of your word that is proclaimed, I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear, that we would understand what is being said. So, Lord, we could take it into ourselves and find application realizing that you could come back at any time, help us be prepared to watch. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this time of year because as a child, it brings back, as remember my childhood, it brings back memories of anticipation of what was coming. We all know Christmas time is coming, right? We all know we're counting down the days. There's clocks. There's all kinds of things that remind us. Our, our email boxes are, are loaded with reminders. You have so many hours to get this sale, so many times to buy this or have this ship or it'll be too late. So we're constantly reminded of his celebration in his first coming. And Jesus, as I mentioned, is talking about to his disciples who asked what the signs of his coming might be or explain the signs of his coming. Jesus is telling them some of the signs of his coming in the future, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ, as I mentioned, which will happen seven years after the tribulation. But knowing the things that are coming in the future, it helps us be reminded and know the importance of knowing the signs for his the rapture of the church. The second coming is coming after seven years. But dear friend, friend, his rapture of the church could come at any moment. It could come at any time. It could happen before this service is, is over this morning. And some of you may be saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, just like John. So we're looking for his, the rapture of the church. What is he talking about here this morning in this passage in Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37? Well, we first of all, we see the problems before his coming. Jesus saying, before my coming, the second time, the second, my second uh, time, his first came as a babe in the manger. He's coming back on a, on a horse, the, the lion of Judah. The first came, he came quietly. The second time, he's going to come in loud, with loud noises with a bunch of people with him, and we're going to be a part of that crowd. We see the problem before his coming. It says there in verse 20, 24, look, look what it says. In those days after the tribulation or after the time of trouble, the sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. We see the darkness of the sun and the moon. You know, interesting enough, that correlates exactly what the book of Revelation says. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, third part of the stars. So it was the third part of it was darkened and the day shone, not for a day part of it, and the night likewise. The same thing that Jesus said here in the book of Mark, also found in Luke, also found in Matthew, is the same thing that John said is going to happen in the future. It all correlates. It all works together because it's the word of God and it's perfect. Oh, dear friend, you ever like, you like being in dark places? You, you know, even in, a, even in the sunshine state, sometimes it can get dark. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I didn't like it when it was dark. I always liked to have a little bit of light. I liked to have a, just a little bit, bit, just so I could see, just, just a little bit. There's going to come a time in the future during these days of tribulation where the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give off her light. Secondly, there'll be destruction of the stars. It says the stars of heaven shall fall. Interesting enough, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 13, and the stars of heaven fell on the earth as a fig tree cast her ultimately figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Just like Jesus said, John says in the future, these things are going to be happening. And not only is there going to be a darkness of the sun and moon and destruction of the stars, they're going to be disturbed in the universe. It says in verse 25, the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. 
And interesting enough, in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 14, the heaven departed as a scroll when it rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of its places. The God that spoke the universe into existence will someday speak it out of existence. It will be ultimately destroyed. You say, preacher, how do we know these things are true? Well, one of the greatest ways to know the Bible is true is to read the prophecies from the Old Testament and knowing they're going to come to pass in the New Testament. We see in the book of Isaiah, chapter 13, verse 9, listen to these words. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, but with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. The stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Sound familiar, doesn't it? In Joel chapter 2 and verse 10, the earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun, the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. You see, it's prophesied in the Old Testament. It's, Jesus says it in the Gospels. And dear friend, it's going to happen in the future. Just like Jesus said in the past, it's going to happen in the future. You can trust his word. You can trust his word. So we see the problems of his coming, but secondly, the promise of his coming, the promise of his return. He gives words of comfort in verse 26. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Oh, we're all looking forward to the time when Jesus comes back. Remember as a kid how excited anticipation you had when you were thinking about those presents on the 25th? You tried to maybe shake a present. You tried to maybe talk, maybe get hints from your parents. You maybe try to get hints from your loved ones and siblings about what's actually coming. You wasn't sure, but you were sure excited about. You were excited about things that you were going to forget about about five days later and looking for something else. But dear friend, when Jesus Christ comes back, that'll be the greatest gift this world has ever seen. Because he's coming, he came back the first time only for a little while. For 33 years, but when he comes back again in the second coming, he will always be with us. He's going to rule and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And dear friend, his government that he sets up is going to be a wee bit better than the government we have right now. I can say amen. I hope you do too. Amen. The Bible says about that time in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In righteousness did he judge and make war. His eyes was a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a vesture dripped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which are in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, and with it to smite the nations, and he shall rule upon them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty. And he that on his vesture on the thigh was the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, dear friend, I hope you like riding horses, because you're going to ride a white horse with Jesus Christ on your way, with Jesus Christ back to this heaven, back from heaven to this earth. In the second coming of Jesus Christ, we see the words of comfort, but the warning of the curse. Look at verse 28. And it says, and when, now learn a parable of the fig tree 
when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth her leaves, you know that summer is near. No, just like we know signs, we can see signs. You look up out in the distance, you see a storm coming. You might want to recognize, hey, I don't want to get wet. I think I might want to go inside. Several years ago, as I was on a motorcycle trip with about four guys, we would stop somewhere, I think, about Sebring, about Sebring, Florida. And I looked, it was kind of getting darker and darker. And I looked on my phone and I said, guys, here's a line, a front coming this way. And I think we ought to head south and we're going to get soaked. And one other guy said, Marty, I think you're right. We better go south. I don't want to get, I don't want to get out here and be on this motorcycle and, be, and get all soaking wet. Two other guys said, you know what, Marty? I think we'll be just fine. I think we'll be fine. We'll just go out here. We'll just, we'll just stop on the side of the road. Everything will be just fine. I said, God bless you. I'm going south. The next day, I saw those two fellas that, stood, that, that stayed there, and they said, Marty, we should have listened to you. <laughs> we got soaking wet. We got soaking wet. We stayed out here in the rain, and the rain is no good place to be riding a motorcycle unless you have to. And dear friend, this is what Jesus said. He's already talked about the fig tree. And remember, he cursed the fig tree because it would not give off its fruit. He's saying now, hey, the fig tree, hey, when her branch is yet tender, put it forth the leaves, you know that summer is near. What he's saying is there's signs of his coming. And all of us can sense that Jesus Christ is getting closer and closer to his return. Now, some believe one of the great signs, and I believe it was, that on May 14th, 1948, Israel, in a sense, put on leaves when it's granted statehood in the Resolution 181, the General Assembly of the United States of Nations, which after more than 700,000 Jews returned to homeland, some other people believe the nation, uh, the, the, the fig tree put on more leaves in 1967 upon the defeat of the Egyptian, which was known then as the United Arab Republic, Syria, and Jordan though the, following the Six-Day War. But dear friend, we're coming to the place where all the signs are aligned and his coming is getting closer and closer and closer. And thirdly, we see the witness of his coming. It says in verse 30, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be done. And some people say, and they look at this verse and say, hey, there's a, man, there's a discrepancy in the Bible. How could those people back then live unto the day? But Jesus was not talking to his disciples then. He was talking about the disciples in the future. He was saying during that time of his coming, during tribulation, there's going to come a generation when these things, they will see what is coming. That generation will not pass away until the coming of, the, of Christ will be. And again, this is prophesied in Zechariah chapter 12, and verse 10, which reads, I will pour upon the house of David, which is, these are the descendants of David, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. There's going to come a time, I believe, the midway through the tribulation, where the Antichrist reveals himself for who he is and proclaims to be God, that your Jews were recognized as the Jesus that they crucified is the Lord and is the Christ. And they will weep. And mourn. And what does Jesus say in his words in verse 31? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89. 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth away, fadeth, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Dear friend, you can trust in this word. You can trust in this word. It is founded, it is sure, it is perfect, it is provided, it has been providentially protected so that folks who read it many centuries ago can have it today to read, to study, and to proclaim. Dear friends, we're not out here with no word, with not, not able to know what's going on. We're just fumbling with our hands and wringling our hands and biting our fingertips saying, what's going to happen? Dear friend, what's going to happen is right here. All we have to do is read it for ourselves and see. You don't have to come to me as some folks have to do in the, had to do in the past and say, preacher, can you explain it to me? No, dear friend, the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you, will give you the light and understanding to know what it says. As Pete said in the Sunday school class, study, study, study. Do you study it? Do you study it? The problems before his coming, the promise of his return, and the purpose of this reminder. Why did Jesus say these things? Well, we see the when of his coming. Verse 32, but that day, that hour knoweth no man, not even the angels which are heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Jesus says, hey, I don't even know the time myself. The angels don't know. There's only one person in the entire universe who knows when I'm going to come back, the, the exact timing of my return, and that's the Father. Interesting enough, there's been people throughout the history of the world who've been trying to get, tell people exactly when Jesus is coming back. I read of one guy named William Miller. There's actually a cult after his name called the Millerites. He was an old Baptist preacher, American Baptist preacher, who was credited to founding the Adventist religious movement related to the Seventh-day Adventists. He believed he could predict the exact date of Christ. Now, if you went to the website and typed in his name, he had all types of figures, all types of mathematical calculations. I mean, this guy had to have some sense. He had sense. The problem is he didn't study the Bible. He studied something else. Because if Jesus himself said, there's nobody know, I don't know, the angels don't know but the Father, then dear friend, I can tell you, William Miller didn't know. Nobody can stand up here and say, I know exactly when Jesus is coming back, whether it be the rapture or his return. Only the Father knows. But this person predicted three separate times that Jesus would come back. And sad to say, just like in any cult, there's some people who left their jobs. There's some people that left their homes. There's some people that left everything believing the false truth that he was teaching, believing that Jesus would come back at that moment. And guess what? Uh, they got disappointed. They got disappointed. We see the wind of his coming, but the warning of his coming. You see, there is real value in, in getting prepared for things. If you know a storm's coming, it's wise to be prepared. Parents, if it's Christmas is coming, it's wise to get prepared. You might not want to be like that one guy I seen out the day before Christmas out there at the mall, running around like a chicken with his head out, cut, head cut off, saying, I got to find something for my wife. <laughs> I met that guy, and that guy was me. <laughs> I, I, did that, I did that a couple times. But you know one thing about that? It was kind of quiet around there. Everybody done done everything. <laughs> Jesus said, there's value in that. He says in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, he said this 10 servants delivered them from to 10 pounds. He said to them, occupy till he comes. What's he saying? He said, don't get so caught up and worried about the, the exact timing of my coming, but get so busy preparing for my coming. 
be busy doing things. Some people live pie in the sky, you know. Some people get so enthralled with the Christmas season, and, and it is a wonderful season, maybe the most wonderful time of the year. You get so caught up in the, the wrappings and the gifts and, the, and, the, and the, the tinsel and the toys and the trees and the toppings that we forget the reason for the season. The reason for the whole season is that Jesus Christ came. And dear friends, if we're not telling people the reason for the season, all the decorations in the world are vain. We need to let folks the reasons why we decorate. The reason for the lights. The reason for the poncettas. The reason for the gifts. Oh, they just see the same thing that they see. But we ought to tell them the reason why we come to church on Sunday. That not just the 25th of December is a day we celebrate for his coming. We believe every Sunday is the Lord's day. And we spend time in God's house worshiping his holy, holy name. We have to look forward to what's coming. Because we realize he is coming. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. We must do everything while we can to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 34, for the Son of Man is like the man like, as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, and commanded his porter to watch. What was he saying? He said, the Son of Man, it, it's coming. But it's like a, a man who left his house and gave his servants time to, to do the work. He, what, what, did the, what did the Lord want? What did the Son of Man want? He wanted his servants working. He wanted them busy. When he came back, he didn't want to come back and see the state of affairs the same as it was when he left. What should we be doing as a church? We should be living to Jesus to the full hilt of our lives. We should be giving it everything we can while we can, realizing that though we don't know the time and the hour, it could come at any moment, that he could return. And what's he going to find when he returns? Oh, dear friend, I'm afraid he's going to find a whole lot of Christians sleeping when they shouldn't be watching. He's going to find a whole lot of Christians doing wrong when they should have been doing right. He's going to find a whole lot of Christians being unfaithful when they could have been fruitful for Christ. Oh, we see the problems before he came. The promise of his turn, the purpose of his reminder, but the power in Revelation, verses 35 through 37. He says again in verse 35, watch ye therefore. You see, Jesus never repeats himself without a purpose. Uh, I knew I was in trouble at my house after my, my, after my mom had said my name once. Because she would usually say, Marty, it's time to get up. But then when she said a little bit louder, James Martin move, it's time to get up. I knew what was behind those words, and I knew her husband who was behind those words too. And though I feared my mother, I feared my daddy a whole lot more because he was close behind. What Jesus is saying in repetition is what I'm saying to you is important. And what I'm saying to you matters. You know, it's, it's typical in life just to kind of go on with life the way it had always been. Even Jesus talks about another passage, I believe, in Matthew. But it's going to be like in the times of, of Noah's day when the Son of Man shall return. What was happening in the Noah's day? People were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were going about their busy, their, their lives, just one thing after another. They, were, they weren't thinking about the fact that Jesus could come again. They weren't putting the most important things 
in, in the forefront of their minds. They were just doing the day after day things. And sometimes we get that way in life. We kind of get in a rut, don't we? We get up a certain time. We do a certain amount of things. Instead of we thinking about what's most important thing in life. You know, you're going along your way and you're shopping for that certain someone. You have a someone who comes across your way. Maybe as you're standing in that long line at JCPenney. You stick up, you struck up a conversation just about life. You don't know this person from Adam, Adam's house cat. You start talking about gifts and what'd you buy and what'd you buy. And in the back of your mind, you know you should say something about Jesus. You know you got a Christmas Eve service coming up. But the fear of the flesh says to us, oh, if I say something this lady might not like, and I got nowhere else to go because I get out of this line, I got a long, else to, long wait somewhere else. Ah, oh, the fear comes when it's that Christmas Day dinner. And that unsaved loved one is sitting right there beside you. You've been praying for that one for a whole year long. You've been talking about it and praying for him. Well, he might be even on this prayer list that I have on this desk. You know you should say something. You know you should take the time to talk to him about Jesus. You know you should put the most important thing. Oh, you could talk about football, and you could talk about the weather, and you could be talking about all the things in local government. But dear friend, we, we don't put that with some most important. We don't put it in the, the forefront. We don't take the time to say, hey, what about Jesus Christ in your life? What, is, what about the Lord in your life? What has he done for you lately? Dear friend, we have to put that which is most important in the forefront of our life. Because Jesus Christ is coming soon. What a sad day will be in eternity. When you and I have to have, have that great fellowship in the sky. Oh, we enjoy our fellowship this morning, man. There, there were so many hands. I didn't feel like I'd get a chance back, back up here to get, to get to preach. That's wonderful. And imagine the fellowship that we'll have in heaven when we get to shake hands with Peter, Paul, and even Mary. And we'll, we'll get to shake hands with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we'll get to shake hands with, with Jeremiah and Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Joel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, we'll get to shake hands with those folks. But I wonder if there's going to be some tears in heaven because there'll be some folks that we won't get to shake hands with. That maybe all of us thought in this room they would be in heaven, but they're not because we didn't take the time. Oh, we were busy doing so many things and even good things, but we didn't do that best thing by sharing the gospel with them and pointing towards Christ. Oh, dear friend, he was being repetitive of his words because it was important. We know the season is getting darker. We see it throughout the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But those times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write to you for yourselves perfectly know the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon you, and travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness, lest therefore let not us sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, 
putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus, who died for us, that we, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. We see the repetitiveness of his words, but the reason for his words, because his coming is imminent. That's why he says, and I am coming soon, edify one another. You know, the Bible says in the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. And I believe as we get closer and closer to the rapture of the church, this world gets darker and darker. The love of even people who say they're saved is going to get cold. We're going to be tempted to be more selfish. We're going to be tempted to be more self-focused. We're going to be tempted to take the time that God has given us and indulge ourselves in those things which are temporal and paste pearl compared to the beauty and the wonders of what Christ really wants us to do with our life. We're going to be tempted to be cold. You ever been in a cold room? <laughs> You've been in a t- cold atmosphere where, you know, you just can't get warm. No matter what you do, no matter, no matter how much you dress, you just get cold to, the t- cold to the bone. You ever been in places where you're cold? Been, been in situations where you felt cold? Oh, dear friend, we ought to share the light of Jesus Christ. We as Christians must share the love of Jesus Christ. But you know what that is? That's a choice. That's a choice that each one of us has. Because in these perilous lives, days that are come, we need to be that light in the corner. And no matter how dark it is, it only takes one light to dispel the night. That we be that light, knowing what's coming in the future, and knowing the reward that is in front of us. For Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, And now, behold, I come, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work what his work shall be. Oh, dear friend, just like tribulations of saints that are in the future, we need to be prepared for the Lord Jesus Christ now. Oh, we're looking forward again to celebrating his first coming on the 25th of December. But are we prepared if Jesus Christ would come before the 25th to take us home to heaven? Are we ready for him? Oh, you got the gifts wrapped and they're underneath the tree. Oh, man, the tree is decorated. The outside is decorated. But if Jesus Christ came back today in the rapture of the church, would he find you prepared? Would your life be prepared? Could you say, man, I've been faithful, Lord, in reading his word. I've been faithful, Lord, in being a witness. I've been faithful, Lord, in being a testimony. Oh, dear friend, the outside of things we do, yes, they're important, but it all comes from an inside, an inside work of God in our lives. Are we being what we should be if Christmas came today? What would we say? Will we stand before him today and say, oh, Lord, forgive me, I didn't witness to Oh, Lord, I meant to get to my Bible reading, but, oh, Lord, I wanted to be faithful in this area, but, no. So I wonder today, if Jesus Christ came today, would you be sad? 
If Christmas came today, would you be sad? Or would you be glad? I was reading about Isaac Watts. Years ago, he wrote the hymn that we first sang this morning, Joy to the World. And it was after Psalm 98, verse 4. It said, "Joy, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. You say, preacher, I can't sing a lick. <laughs> and you may not, but your life sings. What's your life saying to the world today? As, as, as folks look at your life, is it a life of sadness and sorrow because you're so focused on the now and the temporal and the things that don't matter? Or, or can people look at you and say, that person is different because their lives sing praise to God. You see, really, in life, there's two ways to live. Being a pouting person and always complaining about the problems and troubles and difficulties or being a singing person who instead of looking out and instead of looking in, chooses to look up. May I encourage you today, just like Jesus did, watch, pray, be prepared. Now's the time where we as a body of Christ must be ready for his coming. Personally, but not only personally, publicly. Now's the time when we need to be telling others about Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, how do I do that? I, 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 I don't know how I can do that. Well, dear friend, I encourage you. If you don't know how to share the gospel with somebody, I'd love to take time to teach you. I'd love for you to come with me on visitation like Brother Eric did and so many other ladies came. Come on, just come to visitation. And we can, you don't have to say a word. I can, we can just... Walk with me as I share the gospel with other people. If you don't know how to tell the, the greatest story that, that has ever been, dear friend, how can we wrap a present but we can't tell others about our Jesus? I would, that's the most important thing in the world you could do. Oh, we share some important things this year, but would you be willing to share the good news with somebody else? I have no doubt every one of us in this room in the next 20 days or so are going to have the opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. The question is, are we going to do it? He wants us to. He wants us having an eye up in the heaven looking for his return, but also with the gift of speech to tell others about the good news. That Jesus Christ did come. And how wonderful it is we can celebrate the virgin birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But dear friend, he's coming back. And if he's coming back, would you be in that great crowd with us in the air? Just yesterday, Brother Eric and I were walking down the way. We knocked on a door. Man was there. Had the opportunity to share him, share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was real close, real close to maybe taking that next step. We planted a seed in his life. I pray that man will get saved. Dear friend, that didn't happen by accident. Just like that gift under that tree wasn't by accident. Those decorations on that tree wasn't by accident. That star or that angel or that bow on top wasn't by accident. It had to happen because someone made a choice. 
That man's eternal destiny is in a balance. And I believe it was the very will of God that he and I went by to talk to that man yesterday. Who will you talk to this week? Who will you talk to in the next couple of weeks? Who will you talk to? Who can you plan to talk to? To tell him the greatest story ever told. That Jesus Christ came. But not just that he came, that he lived. That he died. He shed his blood on that cross. And he was buried and rose again the third day so we can have everlasting life. Oh, dear friend, the greatest gift you can give somebody is Jesus. That's the greatest gift. Everything else pales in comparison. Will you give him Jesus this Christmas? Will you give others Jesus this Christmas? Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your word, how wonderful it is. But we thank you for the warning for us to watch and to pray, to be prepared. We know that your coming is come. We know that your coming is nigh. It's imminent. Imminent. We know it can happen to any moment, Father. We just prepare for it. But while we're preparing and the eye is to the sky, help us to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's be one in this room to say, preacher. You've been talking about knowing for sure. You've been talking about salvation. You've been talking about heaven. But to be honest, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Maybe, you, maybe you're like the one I talked to yesterday, thought that salvation is by, by being good. By salvation is, is, is your good works outweighing your bad works. But the Bible says that for, for by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The gifts that we're going to be given at Christmas time, we didn't earn them. It's because somebody loved us. They gave them to us. And dear friend, the gift of salvation is not anything we can earn. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, who died on that old rugged cross so you and I and the whole world could have everlasting life. I'm going to ask you a question, dear friend. Are you 100% sure if you die today, you go to heaven? You say, preacher, I'm maybe 50%, maybe 60, but I'm not sure. With head bowed, eyes closed, would anybody in this room say, Preacher, I, w- I, I want to go to heaven. I don't, I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss that fellowship. I don't want to miss his return. I want to go to heaven, but I just don't know how. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all would raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'd love to pray for you. Preacher, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure I'm sure. Would you pray for me? Christian here this morning. We've done so much in preparation for this season. Have we prepared our heart for his coming? Have we published with our mouth that Jesus Christ is coming again and we must know him? We must share with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe even this morning you're thinking about somebody in your life who doesn't know him. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a friend at work and say, preacher, I know someone on my mind right now who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the grace of God, again this Christmas, maybe you witnessed him in the past. Again this Christmas, by the grace of God, I'm going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. I'm committing myself to that. Would you pray for me by the grace of God I have the courage to do it? Anybody today say, I want to do that? I need to do that. There's somebody out there, amen. There's somebody out there, my coworker, a friend, amen. Or somebody out there, a relative, somebody out there, I know who needs the gospel. They're unsaved. 
the greatest thing I could do for them is not something wrapped with a bow and, <laughs> and, and a bag. I need to tell them about Christ. You say, preacher, well, I need to encourage you with that. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Amen. 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 Let's stand to our feet. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you to do this morning, I pray you would. If you're here tonight, the day, this morning without Christ, I encourage you to come. Brother Clayton's here with the Bible. My wife could come. Share if you're a lady what the Bible says about how to be saved. But if you're a Christian, you say, preacher, I'm concerned about so-and-so. Maybe you've been praying for that son for 20 years. Or that uncle. Or that cousin. Or that aunt. Or that friend. For many years, and you're concerned about their salvation, would you commit them to the Lord this morning? Would you have the courage to say, Lord, whatever, by the grace of God, I'm going to share with them again the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear it. I hope you commit yourself to it as the piano plays. Would you come? God has spoken to your heart about that relative, that loved one, that friend who needs to hear again about Jesus, that husband, that son, that daughter. Oh, dear friend, without Jesus, the Bible says they're going to spend eternity in hell. That's not what I say. It's what the Bible says. Oh, dear friend, I don't want, I don't want my loved one to be lost forever. Would you come and pray?